Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. It's a party up in here. What antiques are we talking about this week? As you might know about me, I like dolls. Yes. <laughs> Promising beginning. Where are we going? And I think there is a doll that is much maligned as much as it is desired. So let's talk about the Rushton Rubber Face dolls. The what? Rushton Rubber Face dolls. Now, you might not recognize that, but you almost certainly know what I'm talking about. Rush tin rushton is that a person's name yes if i were to google this phrase would i see something i could never unsee maybe maybe you'd see something you'd never want to unsee rush tin rubber face doll oh they're heinous but you have seen them before yes i have they are mid-century dolls with horribly textured fur plush bodies and rubber faces that appear curiously incongruous. They're kind of a forerunner to the puppy surprise or the kitty surprise in that vinyl face plush body. I would argue the puppy surprise and the kitty surprise are more successful in terms of making it look like a more cohesive design and also having touched all of the objects I just named, the puppy surprise and kitty surprise aren't good to touch with the hands. The Rushton rubber face dolls, I need to submerge my hands in acid to forget. Now what's bad to touch about them? It's this horrible acrylic pseudo fur. It's got a horrendous pile and just like the worst goddamn curly, chalky, weird texture. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the fabric, but I you have to give it to them a little bit that that's mostly just what was available at the time. If that was what was available at the time, you should postpone production until you have something better. I, I couldn't agree or disagree because I don't know how long that would be. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can just agree with me because I'm correct. All right. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> sources for this episode include ken and his always correct opinions <laughs> these are sort of the hallmark of what you think of when someone says the word kitsch i think no for me they are okay <laughs> and that's my opinion <laughs> wow and they seem so ubiquitous in the vintage stores of old that perhaps you've never even stopped to think of them. You know why they're ubiquitous? Because no one fucking wants them and everyone's desperate to get rid of them because they're horrible to take in with both the eyes and the hands. And also they don't smell awesome. I don't know that there is a sense that they don't displease. Well, like literally nothing as old as they are is pleasant to smell, unfortunately. Books. Oh yeah, well, those are. I dropped the snowball, but it it's already in a hell of a shape, you know? I don't really want to risk it. Dropped the snowball? Wait. Because I said something so irrefutable, the only possible response on my part would be to drop the mic, but the mic I have is a blue snowball, which, well, it's a good little workhorse. The stand is just barely held together with twine and hope. Oh! So... I don't want to drop it is my extremely long-winded joke that somehow required an explanation. Uh, yeah, well, sorry. Uh, my head was in Rushton land. You were experiencing all the worst sensory experiences known to humankind and thus had no brain power to spare for my very good blue snowball mic drop joke. Yeah, basically. Fantastic. I was kind of enjoying it, though. I I like this, those weirdly hard stuffed vintage toys. 
I don't know why. I think this is because you were raised like a Victorian orphan, but in the 1990s. I don't know that this is like something that happens to your brain if you're not just kind of kept in an attic and fed dust, you know? Well, you know, I had two parents, which is two more than most orphans get. (laughs) You know what? You're right. Fair point. So, let's plumb the depths of these creepy little fucks. Must we? Yes. Okay. Because that's what I came prepared to talk about, and I don't feel like pivoting. (laughs) (laughs) That said affectionately, I have come over time to actually really appreciate their uh, unique style. Is this like Stockholm Syndrome, but for antiques? Like, they're inescapable, so you've just made your peace with it by finding a way to appreciate them? No, I just, um, I've explained this to my mother before. Every now and again, you run into something that is so outside of your scope of usual experience that you immediately react with revulsion, but it's so strong that it becomes an immediate kind of fondness instead. Sounds fake, but okay. Like, I have this planter that is, like, a really poorly detailed, like, there's no detail on it at all. It's in the rough shape of a dog, but it's got three heads, and there's no explanation for that. This thing is just from the 70s, and it just looks that way, and it's awful, and it's one of the favorite things I own. (laughs) And that's how I feel about Rushton's. Do you also have a horrible artifact you inexplicably love? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, Ken might be uh, sounding a little sassy there, but I would genuinely like to know what horrific thing has your heart. I would also genuinely like to know. My voice just sounds like this. (laughs) So Rushton was started unsurprisingly by a Mary Rushton, although she was previously known as Mary Waterman Phillips before she was married. She had grown up with a deep love of dolls, frequently making little dolls out of stocking for the neighborhood children and her friends. And when she grew up, she studied as a commercial artist. No small feat in the 1910s. No, but also I feel like we would all be better off if she had kept up with making the dolls out of stocking, which is a much less heinous material to touch with your hands. Oh, fun fact, she did. She started Rushton Company in 1917 in Atlanta, Georgia, and she quickly became the largest manufacturer of soft dolls in America. In part because her stuff was unique and colorful, and in part because of demand being driven by trade embargoes. Most dolls came from Europe, and there's some stuff that happened around 1917. Really? Why? That um, made Europe not like our friends anymore. I mean, parts (laughs) of them were still our friends. Other parts were distinctly not our friends. Yeah, those parts had dolls. Ah. Her first line was called Mawa Phil Dolls. Is it because the name was a mouthful? No, it's M-A for Mary, W-A for Waterman, and Phil for Phillips, her maiden name. Huh. Well, this was going to be the name of the company. She changed it in part because she got married and her surname was rushed in and apparently she liked the guy enough to care. And... <laughs> Can you imagine what that must have been like? <laughs> she also said in her own words that she got really tired of having to explain it to people. Wow. Mood. Which is, no matter how good the thing you did, the price of cleverness. <laughs> and these Mawa Field dolls were stockinette dolls. Soft dolls made out of a tights or stocking-like material. It is not quite exactly women's stockings, which were, you know, generally the better the thinner. These were nice and thick. So again, a much better thing to feel with your hands than the product we ended up with. How did things go so wrong? Well, these stockinette dolls had marvelous little hand-painted faces and sometimes needle sculpting to perhaps round out their little cheeks, define their little arms and fingers. 
Now, if you're not familiar, needle sculpting is just the fact of forming, usually, a doll after it's been stuffed, and using the stuffing to make stitches so that the stuffing creates these wonderful little sculpted shapes. Soft sculpture is neat. Soft sculpture is one of the coolest things. Now, stockinette dolls in general were very popular in the 1920s, and hers were the most popular because she really had an eye for something different. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I mean, yeah, these dolls are different. Whether different is good in this case is another question entirely. And while they made a pretty wide variety of soft toys, the most famous and most of what we're going to talk about is the Star Creation line. Now, these were actually designed by her daughter, White Rushton, and that's W-I-G-I-H-T. She wasn't weird. That's still pretty weird. Now, the Star Creation line does refer specifically to the hand-painted, molded rubber soft dolls, with the molded rubber faces set in their fluff, and sometimes with molded rubber hands and feet to match. They were launched in the 1950s, and quickly became extremely popular and iconic, and remained popular throughout the 1960s until in the 1970s, rubber face type dolls really fell out of favor. Was it because someone invented any other option? Now, you see, now you're just picking on her. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I feel like different choices could have been made that would make me want to throw up when I touch them less. Uh, <laughs> the company shut down in 1983 with Mary Rushton's death, thus ending an era of icon and serving. Wow. Because boy, are these toys serving cunt. Can I say that? Can you say that on radio? No, actually you can't, and I'm leaving the podcast. We can't say serving cunt? This is our final episode, and we're not even going to finish recording it. Goodbye. <laughs> it would be so funny if you beeped out what I said, and just nobody ever figured out what it was. Like... <laughs> But don't do that, because then they're going to think I said a slur. I don't know that you didn't, but like... <laughs> I did, it's not a slur! They say it all the time in Australia. It's like a good thing. They say a lot of things in Australia. <laughs> to be fair, I would not describe Australia as a slur-free zone. No, but yeah, but that one's not. And I've never had anyone say it in a way that was like insulting. Okay. Anywho's it. So the Star Creation line, while they produced mostly their own whimsical characters, they did also make some other well-known public domain characters, such as Santa Claus and Puss in Boots, which might be the scariest one I'd seen. And that's saying something, because God, look at them. <laughs> and perhaps one of the most entertaining things about Rushton is the prices that they command these days. Now, you've seen them. What would you pay for one of those? I would pay $10 for someone to get it the fuck away from me. If it were in good condition, which is to say not too much flop in the limbs, not too much dirt on the surface, the minimum would be in the hundreds. Damn. There's no accounting for taste, huh? And it escalates very quickly to thousands for rare and desirable ones. Desirable's a strong word. While certainly nowhere near as desirable as Rushton themselves, even the knockoffs can be valuable. Certainly not in the hundreds to thousands range, but... The knockoffs feel better? Do they smell better? It varies from knockoff to knockoff. Do they look better? Well, they're knockoffs, so they, they look very similar. Do they sound better? I don't know that they've ever sounded like anything. When you squish them, they make this horrible little crinkling noise inside, as though they're filled with diapers. What are you- I think you got a weird toy, bro. <laughs> there is no part of the sensory experience of these things that is good to have. I don't know that your experiences are universal. No, they are. I checked. The naming convention is interesting. We know their names almost only because of advertisings and pamphlets. 
But we have Stinky the Skunk, inspired. Omar the Octopus, Bubbles the Whale. Now that one, that one's fucked up to look at. Just that one? That one especially. There's also Diaper Duck. No. <laughs> which is my least favorite spinoff of DuckTales. <laughs> Diaper Duck. That can't be his real name. That cannot be his real name. That is the creature's real name. It's not allowed. Take it back. Diaper Duck. It's a duck and a diaper, as you might have expected. And a whole line of stuffed bears called Chubby Tubbies. Okay, that's cute. There's also Daisy Bell, who I have to tell you this, and I'm not glad to tell you this. In addition to having a rubber face, Daisy Bell has rubber udders. No, thank you. Also, for some reason, the expression on Daisy Bell the cow is very lascivious. She's got the bedroom eyes and she's licking like her upper teeth, like come at me big boy style. Why? Why is this happening? Daisy Bell and her rubber udders are one of the ones that climbed to the high hundreds of thousands when on auction. I don't like that. You don't have to buy it is the good thing. But I know it's out there now. Lurking. One of the weirdest things is just that, like, there seem to be two camps of Rushton collectors. Regular collectors who like Rushton, the company, and are interested in Rushton and its history and cataloging its various products. And then there's, I don't know what to call them, but they just like when they look really freaky. Could we not call them freaks? I don't want to call them that, even though I suppose we have adopted that particular term. I was gonna say, we call ourselves freaks. Yeah. Every once in a while we get an email that says, hello freaks, and I get a little like, what? Oh, right. We rather did that to ourselves, didn't we? See, that has been my life for so long. That's been my experience for so long, it doesn't even register. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm just kind of surprised each email doesn't escalate. <laughs> But yeah, there's classics collectors, and then there's freaks collectors who don't care if they're rushed in specifically, but do want them to look, let's say, unique. One of the other really fun things about Rushtons is how very fucking little there is to know about this shit. I know you love hearing that in an informational podcast, but hear me out. <laughs> we have nothing more to say to you. Goodbye. Good day, sir. This is very much a community-driven effort. Everything that we know about Rushton, including about Mary Rushton herself, is just enthusiasts trying to find the truth. And what is the truth? Well, I don't know. This is a situation in which it is quite possible tomorrow, if you bought one on eBay without knowing what was happening, you could discover an undocumented Rushton doll. So we are entering into the realm of antiques exploration, are we? <laughs> We're doing the Franklin expedition of figuring this shit out. At what point do we resort to cannibalism? As soon as you want, my man. So yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) There's something very charming about the idea that you could discover a Rushton nobody had heard of before. In fact, that happened pretty recently. Someone found a little space traveler boy. He had a little astronaut outfit on. And there was absolutely no indication previously that it had ever been made. In fact, its designation as a Rushton seems to just be a suspicion on the fact that it is extremely unique and very high quality. There is lost episodes of Rushton dolls. But is there a Rushton creepypasta where they made the doll that killed people? Yes! Kind of. Oh, good! (laughs) People who are into Rushtons do tend to be younger. People who are interested in toys tend to be younger, you say. <laughs> you but shut up. <laughs> People interested in toys in the 1920s are not usually millennials. Wow. 
okay. One of the many factors driving a kind of slow but steady upswelling in popularity is Melanie Martinez. Whoopst? You don't know Melanie Martinez? I don't. She does that really creepy, weird kid core themed stuff. What the hell are you saying? Did you never listen to Melanie Martinez? No! I listened to Dungeon Synth! I can't explain this to you without offending everyone who likes Melanie Martinez. Here's my disclaimer. I listen to her music. Okay. I'm absolutely not affiliated with who she is as a person at all. I just worked at Hot Topic for a little while and her merch was weird because it was all about being a preschooler. Oh, okay. That's a choice. Yeah. So she's got a video called Mad Hatter where there are giant, giant plushies that are not exact copies of a Rushton design, but very, very reminiscent, which is backed by the fact that I guess in interviews, she's admitted that Rushton dolls are her favorite thing to collect. And they murder people. The the Rushton dolls become large and kill. Okay, so what has happened here is you've taken the doll that is horrible at the scale it is at. And you've made it large. And you've made it larger to the point that a human being can wear it as a suit with its horrible rubber face and everything. And then you've made it do a murder. And now it kills, yes. Great. <laughs> So there's a whole music video that did get a lot of people interested in Rushton's. And maybe they were disappointed when they found out that they wouldn't kill. I think they could. I think they're still very capable. Other Rushton dolls became part of her weird lore. They're like characters in her weird kid core concept album or whatever. So yeah, kind of, sort of, there's the creepypasta where there's all this blood. Whoa, was it hyper-realistic blood? It was so hyper-realistic. Wow. I also, I couldn't find any evidence if this existed or not. There's supposed to be shark dolls that were made in conjunction with Jaws. That has got to be so fucking weird. Because unless you make the whole thing out of rubber, what you have is a shark with a rubber face... And then what I can only imagine is that horrible acrylic fur. Sorry, I don't like to cut away for a Google session, but let me just show you the whale so you can have a better idea of the... What waits you in the void? Oh, no. I think he's kind of cute in a maggot kind of way. <laughs> oh, it is exactly as I imagined. I mean, I was really, I was really impressed. It's got an almost passable for marine life rubber face. And then the rest of it is a whale covered in horrible curly acrylic fur. Yeah. Like God's worst lamb. Yeah. Well, that's actually what my priest used to call me, but... (laughs) (laughs) He kept saying, I don't know why he keeps picking you back up. Uh, so in addition to other like high-end copycats, where you get really big brands like Gund, who is of course still operating today. Oh, I love a Gund. Yeah, Gund had a Rushton moment with the rubber faces. Hate that. Love everything they've done since. Yeah, thankfully they, they're not in that era anymore, as the kids say. Wow. The cheap fakes and knockoffs were even Frankensteined from assumably like molds. So as they would buy perhaps Penny the monkey and cast her face and then stitch it onto a completely different body. Oh, that's wretched. Yeah, there's an organ grinder that I found on a Reddit where the debate was very fiery about whether or not it was genuine or not because of this exact thing. Also, there is a worm. There was an advertisement with a Rushton doll worm with a rubber face for some fucking reason. If I do nothing else in this life, I will have accomplished every dream I've ever had if I'm the person who finds the lost Rushton worm. So, you remember in the 90s we had glowworms? Yes, what if it were worse? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so I feel like in a lot of ways the 1990s kind of perfected her failed vision because glowworms are very cute and also they are soft and good to hold in the arms. I was really pleased that you brought up the puppy surprises because I think it's an interesting note of how Rushton changed the toy market. And a lot of the things we encountered in the 90s that we perhaps weren't a big fan of were likely sort of the design echoes of the Rushton dolls. But I like Glowworm and I like Puppy Surprise. I think the major difference is just that they figured out how to make acrylic fur suck less. Yes, I think so. Stuffing and acrylic fur came a long way. And I think maybe she should have waited until that happened before she made any dolls. But I do think it's interesting to see the design elements that are still in things like Glowworm and Puppy Surprise. Oh yeah, for sure. So if you want to try to determine both the age and whether or not your Rushton is a real Rushton or not, good fucking luck. The end. People know very little... (laughs) They're very plentiful, they were extremely popular, and nobody knows fucking goddamn anything. That's antiques! (laughs) (laughs) That's antiques! Welcome to it! I was actually really surprised to the extent to which this hasn't been plumbed yet. But there are some hints that can help you out. For example, the visible stitching around the face is not signs of a late and sloppy repair, that's actually just how they look. So, jot that down. Oh, great. I love when I can tell that my beloved creature's face is sewn on like a mask. It's very king in yellow. Yeah, I am the mask and wearer, baby. And as for determining a Rushton from a pale imitator, the keyword is crisp. You want crisp hand-painted details and a crisp, detailed, molded face with a very dramatic expression. And fur that feels like it's been crispy fried. Everything will have that. Every that, that Sorry, I keep saying it's an era problem. They'll all have that. That's not going to help you determine. (laughs) The face paint is always, always top quality. It is giving, as they say. It's winning Tyra Banks' every competition. It's sickening. Have I said enough drag queen stuff yet? You know the models have other people do their makeup, right? Anyway, yeah, but Rushton is doing that to the models. Okay. (laughs) Also, their body shapes are always a little more well-formed and complex. The knockoffs tend to have very simple body shapes, with not a lot of, like, jointing or creasing or roundness. And the blue eyeshadow is Rushton's signature style. They don't all have it, but if it does have it, there's a good chance that's a real Rushton. One interesting thing about the face painting, never, never, um, oh my god, you ever just fucking lose a word the second you need to say it? Uh Uh-huh. Oh my god. Blow dry but paint? Help? Paint, paint go fast? Out the- Airbrush? Airbrush! Thank you. Let's take that from the top. No, I'm leaving this all in. That was too gay. (laughs) One of the cool things about the face paint, in addition to its high quality, is it's always hand-painted. It is never airbrushed. Airbrushing does tend to lead people to think something's lower quality, just because it has a sort of a fuzzier look. Which is interesting, because airbrushing is so hard. Like, it's very difficult to do. Which is why, when you're doing it to save time, it tends to look bad. You make a compelling point. Thank you for adding that in, because it did sound a little bit like I was dunking on airbrushing. Airbrushing is a vicious skill to learn, and people do think of it as a shortcut, which is stupid, because it's a high-skilled endeavor. As for their ages, thankfully there are some people who have banks of advertisements and catalogs that ha- will have some rough aging that you can kind of compare maybe certain lines, maybe your exact doll. Generally, the denser the stuffing, the older it is. As time goes on and they start making materials that Ken would be less loath to touch, they will get squishier and softer. 
Also, sometimes the later ones made in the 1970s have beans in the bottom. Although many people argue that the molding on the face of the 1960s models are lower quality. And if you get really, really lucky, there'll be a date on the tush tag. Well, first off, if you're lucky, there will be a tag. If you're extra lucky... <laughs> yeah, it'll be on the tushy. Sorry, people know what a tush tag is. That's not like some like jargon, right? No, 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 no. I'm saying that like the odds of the tag not being ripped off in the intervening years are low. True. Extremely true. So you look at the doll and you're like, that's fucking weird. And it turns out the deeper you go, the weirder it gets. Great. Thanks for coming to my, thanks for coming to my talk on Rushton dolls. Other websites include worthpoint.com, the wacky rubber faces of Rushton plushies, wordpress.com, Rushton dolls dominated toy aisles for decades, beststufftoanimals.wordpress.com, the weird and wonderful world of Rushton vintage stuffed animals, and to dream on YouTube, video the weird world of Rushton rubber face dolls. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly on TeaksFreaksPodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, AntiquesFreaksFriends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, AntiquesFreaks.tumblr.com, or on Instagram at Instagram.com slash AntiquesFreaks. If you liked hearing all the ways Ken doesn't like to touch stuff, <laughs> feel free to scroll up. Crap, I cracked myself up. <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you. Feel free to scroll on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a 10-star review. I also hate the touchable things. <laughs> it's not 10 stars. <laughs> it's too many. And if you would like some vintage goods that suck less to touch, you can check out our Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash antiquesfreaks. And if you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we read and review a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful, Varney the Vampire, The Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.